Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Melissa not producing this week's show. Nigel is. Yeah, Nigel's here Nigel, today. Nigel back in the saddle. <laughs> you know, I gave them some production tips when I was in Toronto. You did? You did. Sadly, Jimmy, you remember my audition video for WWE earlier this year. I did not actually get hired. Wow. That's unfortunate. I know you, it, and I know you were devastated. I was truly devastated, but are you surprised? Um, I mean, you had the Zooms locked down, man. Well, you know? fortunately, I sent Lindsay and Nigel to SRS Performance Center Production School. Apparently, my punishment for not being able to produce well on Wirecast is to learn to produce how WWE does it. WWE style. I don't know what that means. Let's find out. Just because I didn't get hired off of my outstanding audition tape to be a WWE producer doesn't mean that I'm selfish. I am a team player. I'm willing to help other people learn my expertise. And I've not made it a secret that Melissa's production snafus have frustrated me. And Nigel can be pretty good. Nigel's a, a wily veteran of production. But he's got to learn the WWE style. He's got to go to the SRS performance center of production he's got to learn where the cameras are as they say you guys aren't doing it right you're screwing up this is too far out i need the zoom haven't you guys learned yet haven't you guys nigel have you fucking learned have have you learned melissa have you learned how to do it don't you guys want to work for wwe why the fuck would we want that? Well, uh... After going through what I did in Toronto, trying my best to teach those guys how to produce, it really makes you respect what Kevin Dunn has done. It takes, it takes years of practice, and even then, I think you really have to be born with the gift of producing terrible wrestling programming. So I think we're just going to put up a red cell and call it a day. Fightful has it. 
Locked down. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, and it's the listing of boy number 92. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Episode 100. Jimmy, I have... It's confirmed. It's signed. Melissa versus SRS. Listing your boy 100. I may have promised explosions. Really? Yes. So long as it doesn't have anything to do with the SRS file. Yeah, as long as it's not then we're a Bluetooth right. segue. Yeah, no Bluetooth segue. We're not getting kicked off YouTube for this. Hopefully. I don't no. know. But I promised moves that are banned in WWE. Really? Some pile drivers. Eye spots. Cool. Are you going to do any yes kicks? Whew. That's going to be a big topic today. That's going to be where we start today, okay. actually. And uh, I was teasing Sean a little bit on, I think it might have been Tuesday, I said to Sean, Jesus, man, you've been on social media all day, and all you're doing is talking about the damn yes kicks. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember your explanation, something about, oh, the guy I'm talking to is good for my... No, 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 no. What was it that you was, said? That was the oh, that guy was I was else? arguing with last night, and I was oh. like, yeah, I'll take a guy who's been covering res- well, covering wrestling for 20 years, who we do not appeal to their demographic whatsoever Mm. and he's quote tweeting all of our stuff saying yeah i know you work a lot harder than us and we're who we you are who we get our news from but it's like hey i'll take that all day is that actually what he said yeah are you paraphrasing a little bit no he he put on there and i used to be a reader of his site back in the day but they are a pure aggregator and that's okay aggregation is necessary but he said i don't dress up in suits i don't suck up for interviews i don't do this Uh and i'm like wait a second What's wrong with dressing nice? What's wrong with getting interviews? What's wrong with talking to people about the topics that we're writing about? I okay, mean, well, whatever. You just went off on a tangent in the wrong direction. So let's reel it back and talk about the yes kicks. So uh, everyone knows what happened by now. I have a, a fun little animated GIF. Melissa's going to put it up for a second while we talk. She can uh-oh. loop it a couple times so everybody can see it. Now, I have. you can put that up right now if you want. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I have, Sean, let me tell you, I have listened... Actually, let's watch this first, and, and I missed it, so we're going to watch it again. Anybody that might have missed it, I put it up one more time. Mm-hmm. You can see that on the second last kick, her rhythm was off, and that's kind of what led to... Uh, she had a little overzealous on the second last... Oh, does it not automatically loop? No. Evidently not. Oh, Melissa screwed up. down on the floor yeah and and then and then she played another video on top of it so nigel get in here and we'll fix this problem no we got it we got it you sure okay let's play it one more time okay so on the second last kick here it comes boom see that one right there on the second last one she got a little bit overzealous and i think another part of the problem too was she wasn't looking at Liv before she swung through she was pointing to the heel corner so that meant that she wasn't quite focused on it I have read uh, a lot of comments from a lot of wrestlers in the last couple of days, and I've uh, heard a couple of things from a few wrestlers about it over the last couple of days. I know your opinion, Sean. Uh, so there's a lot of people that are either shitting on Brie Bella, and there's a lot of Brie Bella fans that are shitting oh, yeah. on Liv Morgan, which is kind of silly. Uh, it seems the general consensus from wrestlers is accidents happen, it's not ballet, People get hurt. And that's kind of my belief, too. My belief is when you get in there, you know things can happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think that Brie was mostly at fault. 
Liv, it is true that Liv was leaning a little bit forward. And, and usually if you want to compare it to Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan's opponents usually are pretty straight up. And Liv was a little bit forward. But uh, when you watch that clip on the second last kick, because she got overzealous and because she wasn't paying attention, she did go high on the kick. Uh, you can play it again while I'm talking. One more time while I'm talking. <laughs> but on the second last one, she because you can see she's not paying close attention. She did kick her in the head on the second last one. And then unfortunately, because she was stunned from the second last one, that's when she was on her way down and then boom, got popped in the head, which knocked her out. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is that my opinion is WWE is more at fault than anybody else. Uh, I know that WWE's mindset for this match was we want the right squad to go over because they're doing the right squad against uh, Ronda and the Bellas, or at least they were supposed to, Sean, because who knows what's going to happen yeah. now. But they were supposed to do that at Super Showdown, so they wanted the right squad to get over. They wanted to get heat on them so that Ronda can beat them in Australia. And I understand they wanted Natalia to take the pin because you want to protect the Bellas because they're in the Super Showdown match. I think in situations like this, they need to call an audible. Because let's be honest, Sean, at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter if Liv Morgan took the pin. It's not going to kill anything. Yeah. I think they needed to call an audible. I think that they needed to uh, follow through on the three count when Brie covered Liv on that. On, on the, because they knew, Brie knew she was hurt. And that's why she yes. went for the cover instinctively. They needed to count to three. The referee knew she was hurt too. They needed to count to three. But instead they stood with the plan and she actually got dragged to the corner almost by the neck so that she could tag out. Then when she came back in, because she had the wherewithal to be part of that, that six-person suplex spot, they never should have allowed that to happen. I, I know that she had wherewithal there. She, well, I think she, okay, yeah, but she, she knew, was belligerent at, at Okay, but point. she instinctively knew enough to go in there and do it, right? Yeah. They shouldn't have allowed that to happen. I, I, things could have ended up a lot worse than they were. And so I kind of put the heat on WWE. I will say this, it was an accident. Bree did not mean to do it. She apologized on social media afterwards. Uh, I know Ruby Riot was pissed off because of that, and because of the monkey flip spot, which was... I don't even know what the hell happened on the monkey flip spot. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. Uh, well, here, here's what happened. The ref didn't know that Liv was messed up until she was dragged across the ring. She that's didn't? When the, that, that's didn't? when the extent of it happened. And it was communicated back and forth, get Liv out of the ring. Sarah Logan got Liv out of the ring, thought that she was going to sit at ringside, wait for doctors to arrive. Liv from what I've been told, was essentially on autopilot. And, you know, that's, that's just based on backstage hearsay. But mm. pretty pretty solid sources. She got back in the ring. The ref was saying, get down, get down, get off. He was being yelled at by Gorilla to Before get Before the out. suplex spot? Yes. She got in, did the suplex spot. Ruby and Sarah had to physically restrain her. That's when the match came completely unglued. Well, they powdered out, right? The three of them yes, powdered out. they powdered out. out. But even even I went back and watched after people told me backstage, you see Sarah Logan and, and Ruby Riot physically hold Liv Morgan there at ringside. On the mat. Oh. On, on the, at the ringside area and hold her there until Dr. Chris Amon can get out there. And people were saying, you know, it's, it's in vogue to hate on Chris Amon, but people were like, why wasn't he out there sooner? And I'm like... He's Chris Amon. He's not Ricky Henderson. Like, yeah, I don't blame the... I don't blame him at all. Can you put the put it up one more time, Melissa? Sure. I want to see where the referee was. Because to me, I knew immediately. Like how how did oh, he course. not know? How did he not of know? Course. Where's the ref? He's right there. He's right there. How does he not know she's hurt? How does he know? You're telling me he didn't know that she was hey, hurt. At that point, it, it became evident when the the yank to the corner happened because Liv was supposed to charge Bree into the corner. But now, there was the cover first. Of course. Yeah. How did I mean, he not know? Well, I mean, that was like maybe two seconds before. Right right after that, they went into the spot. So that was yeah. around the time. It's a yeah. matter of seconds. As for the Bree Bella kicks, here's the thing. 
Liv could have tucked her chin like this to her clavicle. You still don't kick her in the face. When you you teach kicks like that, you point your toes outward. You go downward with your shin, toes angled towards the ground. Daniel Bryan is able to do it, as he mentioned on SmackDown, uh, at more of an even angle where your shin and your foot are on an even plane a little bit more because he turns into them, he walks into them, and he turns his hip. You never, ever go upwards like like the way that it is is you cut downward you cut upward or you cut in two and she she went upwards with her foot i don't know how anybody could blame Liv morgan for this in, in any way even if her chin was like this if you've ever seen brie bella kick uh, kick sometimes she'll land on the arm quite frankly for lack of a better term sometimes she hits him right in the tit but she doesn't care. You, you land on the chest, not so the face. I, I don't recall ever seeing Brie, not that I pay attention to every Brie Bella match, I, admittedly. I can't recall seeing Brie do the kicks and then point to the corner. Is, had she done that before? I'm sure she has. I mean, it, it's a major crowd involvement spot, but it, it would be more in a tag match. And a lot of times when she does those, the match is broken down and these people are selling outside. So when Brian does it, Brian just focuses on the guy and throws the kicks. And the yeah. crowd knows to go yes with every kick, but he yeah. focuses on what he's doing. Brian doesn't, because to me that's taking your focus away when you're, when you're pointing to the corner, because then you have to go like this and then you have to go back. She was swinging those kicks without looking at her, Sean. I mean, on a couple I gotta of those be kicks. honest, those were pretty damn effective kicks. Obviously, she gave a woman a concussion. Yeah. And she's learned how to do them a lot better. I remember when she did them in 15, she wouldn't turn her hip and they looked bad. Now, there, there's so many weird things about this. People saying, why don't they criticize the man like this? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you remember oh, all the, the uproar when AJ Styles didn't do anything wrong and people were tucking their chin on his Styles clash? Everybody knows to not do that. Look at the but Seth AJ's- Rollins knee spot to Cena. Seth Rollins got skewered for that. He got skewered. And, remember and people were calling him reckless and dangerous. Do you remember that? How about Sin Cara? Yeah. How about Kennedy? How about the Miz when he wasn't catching people for a while? They Mm -hmm. all got criticized. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really bothers me, Jimmy, is when people dare to compare this to Rollins, Sting, Joe and Tyson Kidd, or Ray and Paraguayo. Those moves weren't done incorrectly. This move was done incorrectly by Brie Bella. Rollins didn't do the buckle bomb wrong. Sting's Mm -hmm. an old man with spinal stenosis. It's a shitty move, too. It is. Yeah. He doesn't really do it anymore. eh? He doesn't do it as much anymore. Ray and Paro, that... That was just a tragic act. They're, they're, yeah. The move was done right. Yeah. Joe and Kid, the move was done right. The the thing is with the Brie Bella situation is, and of course wrestlers are going to defend her and say, it ain't ballet, accidents happen. Well, here's the thing. This is habitual. The suicide dive spots. Yeah. Needs Alina in the face. Yeah. She cracked Miz two different times. Now, with the Miz, I don't doubt that he said, get in there and really punch me. Whatever. Then this spot happens. Then immediately after... Ruby and Sarah Logan call a catapult into Ruby's forearm. Instead, Bree throws a forearm and cracks. I was going to ask, so is that what happened? So, so did they say you're supposed to do a monkey flip and then Ruby's going to yeah, forearm the you? Catapult. Yeah, the catapult, not, yeah. not, the, not a monkey flip. But yeah, catapult into Ruby, who is standing on the apron. Isn't the same thing? It's a monkey flip, right? No, monkey flip is where you jump up and you put your feet on their quads and flip them over. The catapult is where you grab around the calves and you lean back, and they launch themselves into like into the turnbuckle. Monkey flip is off into the middle of the ring, but 
you could tell that Ruby Riot was not amused by no, that. No, and she she no sold it, but she got she got clocked pretty good. And you yes, could see she you could see Brie immediately was like looking at her, you know, because she knew she fucked up. I mean, all, all I'm going to say about Brie Bell is this: I, I obviously WWE wants her on TV because of the whole reality show demo, and the Raw demo is mostly older males, like 40s and 50s older males. They want to tap into that younger female demo. That's why the Bellas get so much publicity. And they want that, and I get it. I applaud Brie Bella for you know taking time off, having a child, getting back into shape, getting back into the ring. Uh, I applaud her for that. But with all due respect to her, she is clearly full of rust, and she is clearly reckless. And like you said, uh, this is not. Whenever she's done those running knees, I, I wince, I cringe when she does them because it looks like she's going to knock your head off. Uh, the suicide dive. She's lucky she didn't break her own neck. Doing that they, they've move. even adjusted those knees to where she used to do them on if you were the hard camera she would do it on the right side of the ring and they've adjusted it where she does it on the hard camera side which to me it is weird I don't know why they would do that because just basic camera work would would make that look good if she didn't clock them in the face mm-hmm. you don't need to switch to a close angle shot of that you can do a wide angle of her doing that running knee and mm-hmm. she doesn't come close to their face and it will look like she did Right. I mean, there's also the obvious, which is Raw was supposed to be a singles match. They had advertised it as a one-on-one match up until the day of the show, and then all of a sudden they made it a a six-person tag. There's got to be a reason for that, Sean. There's got to be. Somebody knew that Brie was... It was supposed to be Brie and Ruby, wasn't it? Like, somebody knew that... Somebody knew she wasn't ready for that. Brie's just not good in the ring. Yeah, she wasn't ready for that. That's another thing. People keep saying, oh, the Bella's this, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses. Nikki Bella's been good in the ring for years at this point. She adjusted. And who's to say that Brie Bella wouldn't? But Brie Bella has never been what Nikki has become in the ring. And she's been working like smoke and mirrors matches with Maurice. And I get it, man. Like wrestlers are going to defend her. And eventually, I'm sure members of the Riot Squad will tow the company line and do what they have to to, to keep their jobs and stuff. But when I see people saying, walk it off, rub some dirt on it, and make the next town... It's a concussion. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. It's a concussion, yeah. and what we know now, I can't believe that people would have the balls to say something like that, and I was very disappointed with some of my colleagues and, and contemporaries. Writers have said, right, walk it off? I was, uh, I was upset that some of them were like, oh, well, accidents happen. Well, a lot of accidents have been happening with mm. this person mm. over the last month. Yeah, I agree with that. Accidents happen, and, and you're, you're targeting a Seth Rollins and saying, he never got criticized. What are you talking oh, about? Bret Hart made a podcast living off of it for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird to me. So yeah. weird to me. Well, I mean, when, when, you, when you look forward, so obviously we've talked about how on Raw now they're promoting several shows at once, and what they're promoting right now is Super Showdown and Mixed Match Challenge. Those are like the two big ones. So now when you look at Super Showdown, it's supposed to be a, a six-women tag, Ronda and the Bellas against uh, the Riot Squad. I see no chance that Liv Morgan is back in two weeks flying to Australia with a concussion. That means she's off that show. I think they're either going to now make it a singles with Ronda and Ruby, or maybe they'll just make it a tag match. Uh, with maybe if, if they make it a tag match, you have to go with Ronda and Nikki. I mean, they're the ones that are going to be supposedly wrestling yes. at Evolution anyway, right? So yeah, you, you make don't, you don't need Brie in that. You don't need Brie. Make it Ronda and uh, and Nikki, and Brie can be there and she can cheerlead in the corner. But do that with Ron, with uh, Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan, and uh, it's unfortunate. So we haven't heard a prognosis yet, right? 
She got a concussion. No, I know, but is it yeah. is it a oh, month, they, six they, months? They won't know. They won't know okay. for, for at least a while. And before we wrap this up, if you are one of the idiots that say, well, you're raised wrestling so sissified these days. People used to do that all the time. You're a fucking moron. Can I ask you a question? No. Why is it that most of the time... I said no! No. I said no! Well, no. I said no, you can't ask me a question. Since I own Fightful, I'm going to ask. Why is it... That whenever you like do the you know I'm an idiot little little thing you do, they always have a southern accent. Why is you that? Know. And uh, to put a bow on this, we're talking to well, you all will hear excerpts from my Christopher Daniels interview, Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor this Friday. Check it out, live post show, me and Carlos. But and I'm not speaking for his feelings about this situation. This was a completely out of context comment, but I thought he made a great point. I asked him about career longevity, and he says. I don't do anything three minutes into the match that I can't do 30 minutes into the match. I can do everything that I can do right every single time because I know my limitations. So are you talking about Carlos or are you talking about Chris Daniels? Christopher, did I say Carlos? <laughs> no. Oh. You mentioned Chris, but then you mentioned Carlos. Carlos is doing some so. boxing training. Maybe he I heard, I saw that. Mantra. I heard him saying that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Unfortunate for Liv Morgan because she did get clocked pretty good and uh, and uh, yeah like we've talked about and again Brie didn't mean to do it and I guess no, I applaud not. I applaud her for apologizing afterwards and everything but she's been reckless and they can't afford to uh, to have more injuries to herself or to somebody she's in the ring with so yeah and a lot of people were saying well Brie Bella's apology wasn't really an apology I don't think WWE wants her to go on social media and say. Liv Morgan, I'm so sorry that I kicked you in a match that we were having. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they want that. I think what they what WWE would have wanted from Brie Bella was exactly what she says. And and that's the thing. That that seems to be the typical trope is everybody saying, accidents happen. Well, no shit. Let who me throw would, this, who would say that that was on purpose? Let me throw this devil's advocate thing for a minute, Sean. Can you imagine if in the Build for Evolution... They decided to do a singles match on Raw with Brie and Ronda Rousey, and she and she clocked Ronda Rousey like that and gave her a concussion. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the repercussions of that happened to Ronda Rousey? She wouldn't be on TV anymore. Oh, it would be really bad. It'd be she bad. Wouldn't be on TV anymore. Yeah, they yeah, got to uh, they got they got to let her be a cheerleader for her husband on SmackDown. Yeah, and she ha- if she wants to wrestle, she has access to Performance Center. She has access to free training. She has access to one of the all time great wrestlers in the history of the world, Nikki Bella. Exactly. <laughs> Goddamn right. Nikki Harubella Sawa. <laughs> I don't know. Brie may take over the strong style gimmick from, from here on. Yeah, she might. She might. Anyway, uh, so now talking again about uh, Super Showdown and, and everything going on. So it's very clear now, Sean, that they're promoting female tag teams, man. It's very clear they're yeah. doing it. Now, all of a sudden, uh, they're promoting Naomi and Asuka together with the Iconics. They're going to wrestle at Super Showdown. Then on top of that, you got Mickey James and Alicia Fox. you got Sasha Banks and Bailey. you got Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Ember Moon lately is with Nia Jax. they got all these female tag teams. And you're telling me there's not going to be a women's tag team title, as Stephanie McMahon said in an interview when she was asked about it. They're damn well going to be doing it. I think it was, who's the belt guy on Twitter? Bell Fan Dan. Bell Fan Dan. So he said that they already have artwork uh, going through for that. I think they're going to announce it at Evolution that they're going to be launching a tag team division. And they've got enough girls. They can do it. But like you said, they've got to be a traveling act and do Raw and do SmackDown. And maybe NXT too. The same belts. Yeah. And the belts, as Dan mentioned, are done. I was told months ago that the concept art was created for them. But however... 
that was the same for the 205 Live tag team titles too, uh, around WrestleMania season, and that didn't end up happening. So I think this one will. A lot of these women just need something to fight for, man. I agree. And I don't need two or three sets of these titles. I really don't. I agree. There's not enough tag teams. Although, then again, when you look at what they're doing with the men's tag team division, you know, it doesn't really say a lot. But exactly. Uh, yeah. And are there a lot of titles? Yeah, there are a ton of them, man. There are a ton of them. But yep. you've got such a bloated roster. I'm just looking at things, and SmackDown's at a position where they have to give people two months off of TV every so often. Which is okay. When, We've talked about that. Yeah, that, that's okay. But then what happens in March or April when the, the NXT call-ups happen? Right. We, we look at – I mean, they brought in Kurt Hawkins and Shelton Benjamin and Jinder Mahal. And if you would have told me – Two years ago, when they, they signed people to make sure they had full rosters, that Jinder Mahal would get the biggest push out of all of them, I would have been like, wow, no way. They did that to fill up their roster. Now they've got a roster that's too full. Yeah. And they've had to, they had to create 205 Live to help with that as well. So they went from essentially two brands, WWE and NXT, to where they have NXT, Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and now you're running solo women's shows. So. And UK. UK's. And God, UK too. They've got so many different brands, and I kind of understand they they do want to create their own WWE universe of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're doing it because they don't want them signed by anyone else. You know, yeah. to degree. I mean, World of Sport. That's why NXT UK exists. It's because of World of Sport. But uh, they do have a lot of guys. I am all for doing the cycled time off, like we've talked about. Sure. Because because again, they come back hotter than when they left. The problem is is guys aren't on tv because they don't have anything to, for them to do and then when all of a sudden they decide like oscar when they decide oh let's do this with her then they bring her back for a week and then she's gone for three weeks and then they bring her back for a week it doesn't have the same effect as if they just give them a solid couple months off and then bring her back hot you know it's different i i agree i agree and like like you said time off isn't a bad thing no it, absence no. makes the heart go fonder. I, think I think it's beneficial to everybody it's a win-win to me yeah I'll tell right. you somebody who hasn't had any time off in his two decades as a wrestler. Christopher Daniels, who teams with Frankie Kazarian. This Friday, Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. We do have live coverage. Come over there, chat with us in the live coverage and discussion. But we also have a live post show, myself and Carlos Toro talking the show. Friday, Ring of Honor. Saturday, Bellator, myself, Joe, James Lynch. And then Sunday, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Take a listen to our interview. Where you've worked with like people all over the world, all kinds of people. Is there anybody who you look at and you're like, man, I'd love to work with them and I haven't been able to get the opportunity to? Well, I think the the number one guy is, has been someone that I've been uh, singing praises for for a very long time, and that's Chris Jericho. Um, you know, I I think that he and I have one thing in common in the sense that we've got a longevity of our career. And people, when people talk about reinventing yourself, um, invariably they talk about Chris Jericho and they talk about me. And so I, I take that as a, a high compliment to even be compared to Chris in that respect. Um, and honestly, I mean, whatever I've done, Chris has obviously done it at a much higher level and much higher success rate. And he's definitely one of the greatest to have ever uh, stepped into the ring. And the fact that he and I just haven't had that opportunity to square off, um, you know, it's, it's a little disappointing, but hopefully, uh, you know, with the, the landscape of wrestling changing day by day, who knows? I mean, uh, we're actually going to be on a boat in a month, <laughs> and who knows what could happen on a boat. What's the longest you've taken off 
from in-ring wrestling since you started? Um, probably, uh, probably the, I, I had a shoulder injury that took me out of the best of super juniors in 2004. And I had to stop wrestling for six weeks. Um, but I mean, during that time I was still doing appearances. I was still at that point doing TNA and uh, a couple of different independents with my arm in a sling. But, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, this has been it for uh full time since 99 so yeah i don't really take a whole lot of time off that's another parallel between you two you all don't really get injured very much or i won't say don't get injured but don't take a lot of time off in that regard i mean he did he does to do other things but you never hear like chris jericho tours acl he'll be out 11 12 months you don't hear that about you either what do you attribute that to um i've just been very fortunate man i've been very lucky not to have injury. Um, you know, the, the few times that I do get banged up, it's stuff that I can work through or it happens at times when I've got the opportunity to sort of work around it. Um, but yeah, I've been very fortunate. Like that shoulder injury that I had, that was probably the last big injury that made me take one match off. You know what I mean? I, I, uh, I've been very lucky. And, and I think part of that is just, um, I, I, I got in the habit of working smart in the sense that I never did anything that I didn't think I could do every time I tried it. And um, that's something that I tell guys all the time, you know, young guys coming up, um, you know, I'm all for, you know, trying for innovation and, and uh, taking risks in a ring, but mine have always been calculated. And um, the things that I do, I can do whether it's three minutes into the match or 30 minutes into the match, whether I'm exhausted or not, um, I never tried anything physical that I didn't think that I could do 100% every time. You all can see that full interview over at Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com. Click the exclusives tab. We are slowly adding stuff to our shoot interview section of FightfulPods.com, so check that out. But it's all over the place. I got multiple stories going up on it. It's going to be summarized in the Weekender or the Weekly and the Weekender. So yeah, do, good stuff out of Christopher Daniels. Do our listeners know that you pulled a Liv Morgan to a degree, and oh, uh, I and don't and talk a, about that. and and a door was Brie Bella's yes kick? Do people know this? And how do you get hit in the head by a door? I just told suffering you a I concussion. Didn't remember, how does that even occur? Did you maybe know. did you pull on the door handle like you're really excited to leave the room? <laughs> no, it was the top of a door frame. I don't know. Top yeah, I don't know frame. how it happened. Hmm. Interesting. Were you trying to do a? I got nothing. I got I nothing. I don't know. I do not remember. I do not know. Hmm. But I was. I, okay. I dealt with it mainly Friday, Saturday, and honestly, by the end of Saturday, I was feeling a lot better. But okay. Well, uh, let's move on from door frames to Milwaukee. So the the crowd in in Denver this week for first SmackDown. That crowd was amazing. That crowd was great. Great, and I love the fact that you could be in Denver, Colorado, and as soon as there an as soon as there's an insinuation that Lana might have had an affair in Milwaukee, you got the crowd in Denver chanting Milwaukee. I thought that say, was great. The Rock did say he was going to teach her the Wisconsin wheelbarrow. There you go. Well, um, here's what we're going to do, Sean. So anybody that doesn't necessarily watch our other podcasts that we do here with Idiots. Fightful with Fightful Wrestling. Dummies! That's, and that's a good way to get them to, to, get them to watch. Me. So Mr. Sean Ross Sapp uh, had a theory. 
as to what this Lana Milwaukee thing could be. I've got the clip. Uh, Melissa, play it, and let's listen to this theory. Listen, Milwaukee is the home of polka, so there's not a lot of, like, you know, Polka, polka, we like a polka, like from Home Alone? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. What were their names? Uh, they were the Kenosha Kickers. Kenosha. There you go. The Kenosha Kickers. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a town south of us. But they were headed to Milwaukee. That's why they were able to give uh, Kevin McAllister's mom that's a ride home. That's true. Oh, my God. It's it was pos- John Candy. It's possible. Candy we- Moore. It- <laughs> Lana was missing someone like Candy. John Candy, I just wrote your article for you. That's kind of <laughs> creepy. He's been dead for 25 years. Possible that listen, there are a lot of haunted hotels in Milwaukee. It's possible that Aiden English has video evidence of Lana having sex with the ghost of John Candy. I'm just saying it's possible. We don't know yet. Vince McMahon wants to protect Mandy more yes. than Sonia Deville. Yes. Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore's hit single was. I'm missing you like candy. John Candy, a member of the Kenosha Kickers, was on his way to Milwaukee in Home Alone 1. Rest in peace. This is all a sign. The dots have been connected. You're welcome. Why do people even go to other websites? I can say with confidence that no other website in the world, in the world, there's a lot of them, is going to suggest that Lana had a sexual relationship with the ghost of John Candy in Milwaukee. No other website's going to suggest that. They don't do the extra work, Jimmy. That might be what it is. Places like WrestleTalk taking my damn stories yesterday. Right. No link, no attribution. Meanwhile, did did they report that Lana had sex with John Candy's ghost? Yeah, pretty soon you're going to see an article titled Ghost of John Candy Beat Dem Cheeks in Milwaukee. Also, it's gone further than that, Jimmy. Really? Oh, it's not possible. It's possible. How do you go any further than that? It's possible. You you know how I also tied in Macaulay Culkin. He's got the pro wrestling connection. He's right. hanging out with Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman's namesake is Ryan Braun of the Milwaukee Brewers. Macaulay Culkin in that movie with John Candy. What other movie were they in together, Jimmy? Uh, Uncle Buck. The Milwaukee Bucks! <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks! <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, kind of that, that's kind of like thirteen degrees of separation somehow to Lana and John Candy, but we were able to get there through a couple different couple different directions. Melissa's fanning herself, Sean. She should. Melissa's fanning herself. She says she loaded on the scene like the ghost of John Candy in a haunted. Milwaukee hotel bedroom with Lana. So, kind of related, but not really. Kind of related, but not really. Since we're doing a little story now with Aiden and Rusev, even though I'd rather they're together, but they're not. So even though they're they're doing a story with them. You know, SmackDown has become the show of real-life husband and wife teams, right? Sure. They've got... Uh, Bree and Brian, they've got Miz and Maurice, they've got Naomi and Jimmy, they've got uh, uh, Rusev and Lana. I'm thinking, Sean, based on news that's come out this week, that we might be close 
to aid in English, Shaw Guerrero joining the, the, the husband and wife tag team scene on SmackDown. What do you think? I would love that. That could happen. I mean, I, I did a Fightful Books It in May of 2017 about it. I think it could happen. So if anybody didn't hear, so Shell Guerrero, the daughter of Eddie and Vicky, she left WWE in 2014. She was Raquel Diaz in Developmental. I heard she left for personal reasons. Uh, she just returned. So, she, so first she returned this past February. She did commentary on a reality of wrestling show called Ladies Night Out. Uh, you can see it at titlematchnetwork.com. I actually went back to watch part of that because I wanted to see how her commentary was. Her commentary was actually pretty good, Sean. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of work with uh, Title Match Wrestling as well. They get us a lot of really good interviews to promote those shows, and she's one I would I would love to talk to soon. You want to talk about a ready-made storyline. Now, I yeah. don't know how, how you can get Vicky involved in this. Vicky but, would love to do it. She'd love to do it, man. But, I mean, you want to get... Aiden English, and, and I mean, sure, it's it's a Guerrero rub, but that's okay. They, they do that. But they can have like, so many, and and if they want to go a step further, if they want to just like somehow make it fun and kind of go further with it, Ray Mysterio's kid, who somehow, grew, yeah, who somehow grew to be like six two somehow, yeah. is training with Lance Storm now, and Ray is getting ready to come back. They can just take it in a whole little Ray Eddie spawn direction. There, there's you know? a lot that they can tie into this. There's a so, lot. I mean, there's a lot. With Aiden English, he can go on a losing streak after Rusev, but what can turn that around? And I think it's a good way where you get other people wins, like maybe Dillinger beats him and all this stuff. But you got Vicky Guerrero and Shaw Guerrero showing up, and they, they scare the life out of them, and they, they're like, you represent us now. You're a Guerrero. It'd be great. And if you don't turn this around, the rest of the family is going to come kick the living shit out of you. You think uh, Aiden English can do a frog splash? I damn well... Oh, of course. He can sure as hell do those three suplexes. Why not? Why not, right? And it's a type of thing. It's just it just ready-made. Vicky's great. Shawl is, yeah. like you said, good on the mic. And everybody Andy loves Vicky. Good. Yeah. So you throw them in there, and, and you unleash this type of storyline, and you, you have a ready-made deal. And you eventually he'll get some Eddie chance, and there's, there's far worse things in this world yeah. than getting chance where people – connect you to one of the greatest all-time wrestlers ever. So. And, you know, some people might say, oh, Aiden English is getting cheap heat. And my answer would be Aiden English is getting a paycheck. Also, uh, cheap heat is better than no heat. That's I why agree. people always say, I agree. oh, they only chant for the tens or the we the people. It's a lot better than them not making noise. I actually, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I kind of dig the whole real-life husband-wife team dynamic happening. Yeah. I kind of dig it. Like, I think Miz and Maurice is very entertaining together. Uh, and Brian and Bree is interesting, and uh, I don't, you know, Naomi, Jimmy, eh, do without them, but it's just about everybody else I find entertaining. And so, what Shaw just announced is that she's going to do uh, ring announcing for the uh, Women Are Wrestling taping next month. That could be kind of her way of kind of, you know, shaking off any rush she might have, Sean. You never know. And then the door would be wide open. I mean, the WWE loves the Guerreros, and Vicky's, yeah. Vicky is universally adored in that company, so. I hope Could so, happen. and, and you, you have the natural chemistry between most husband and wives, so, I mean, it, you don't have the awkward... You don't have Rob Van Dam and Stephanie McMahon. Right. Oh, you'll do anything for me, huh? Right. Ah, uh, okay. None of right. that shit. So. Now, let's go from uh, universally adored to uh, maybe not quite so much. Uh, Crown Jewel coming up November 2nd in Saudi Arabia. A gentleman by the name of Turkey Al Sheik. He is the chairman of the General Sports Authority. That is the group that has that is essentially paying WWE 
to do these shows in Saudi Arabia. He posted this on Twitter on September 24th. Go ahead, Melissa, put that up. Now, I don't read Arabic, Sean. Melissa offered to translate it, and I said, don't bother because the picture is enough. So this would suggest that they want Hulk Hogan to be at Crown Jewel on November 2nd in Saudi Arabia. And given that in the past they wanted The Undertaker and they wanted uh, The Ultimate Warrior and they wanted Yokozuna. Haystacks Calhoun. Haystacks Calhoun, uh, right. They wanted, wanted Gorilla Monsoon. They right. wanted all of these guys. So it, it, it would appear likely that if the guy's posting his photo on social media, it, it would appear likely that they're going to get Hulk Hogan. And my only question to you, I guess, is what kind of a look do you think this is? That after being gone for a couple of years because of racist comments that he made, his first show back in the ring is going to be in Saudi Arabia where women are not allowed on the show. What do you think of that? I think it is an incredibly bad look, but they'll probably do it anyway. I can't confirm. I've tried to find out, but... It looks uh, likely to me. Yeah, and eh, I mean, they put him in the, the new intro this week. Did you see that? The new Yes, then, now, the forever, forever one. Yes, he he's back so. in the fold, yeah. So that's that's the deal with that. But, hey, WWE is getting obscene amounts of money to do the lowest viewership they've ever done. So they're going to try to do things a little. I, I'm hopeful that they'll treat these shows that they got the screw you money from mm-hmm. and do special things. And whether I like it or not is neither here nor there. Let me it ask you this question. Let me ask you this. So do you remember WrestleMania six? When, and, and I'll never forget Jesse Ventura's commentary because Jesse Ventura was awesome. So WrestleMania six, I love Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but here comes Hacksaw Jim Duggan at the Sky Dome in Toronto waving the U.S. flag because that's what Hacksaw Jim Duggan did. And Jesse Ventura almost lost his shit, like legitimately laughing at this guy waving as a babyface the U.S. flag in Canada, right? My question for you is, do you think that somebody would be so dense is to have Hulk Hogan at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia do a run-in with real American playing in the background. Yeah. Somebody yeah. would do that. Yeah, I mean, I remember one time when it was, I think it was Edge versus La Resistance, and the crowd chanted USA. Then Kane ran in, and the USA chants got louder. He was born in Spain, by the way, just so you all know. Who was? Uh, Kane. Oh, really? I mean, nobody uh, would know that. The Kane in Spain... Lies mainly in the plains. I still think of WrestleMania 9 when it was uh, Bret Hart the Canadian against Yokozuna, supposedly the Japanese guy, and they were chanting USA. <laughs> Yokozuna so. is infinitely more American than Bret Hart. But, uh, yeah, I for sure think they would do that. Yeah. I really do. Keep in mind, Hulk Hogan was... <laughs> I can't remember how the promos went with the Sergeant Slaughter thing, but he was... You know, a lot of Middle East targeted stuff. He was tearing the flag up. Yes, and that was—I mean, that wasn't Saudi Arabia. It, yeah. it was the—it was the Iraqi, yeah, Iraqi flag, flag at the time. But he was tearing it up on TV. I don't think he ever lit it up, but he was tearing it up. Yes, and shoving it down Sergeant Slaughter's mouth and stuff like that. Sergeant so, Slaughter was such a perfect heel back. Yeah, then. he was. He had a lot of balls too, Sean. Do you remember the promo? The I Want My Country Back promo? Of course. One of the greatest of all time. Right. I didn't remember that, and I came across it last year, and it was just like a minute and a half, two minutes. It was the perfect baby face turn promo. You say, I'm sorry, I screwed up, let me fix it. Tears in it his eyes. Very relatable, very humble. It, was, it, was, it felt real. It and the, felt be- and real the best part a was... situation that was cartoonishly fake. Well, it was, and then the best part was after he was supposedly forgiven, 
Then they had the pro-American guy form a tag team with the Russian guy, Nikolai Volkov, as baby faces. Singing the U.S. National. Wrestling is something, man. It's it something. It and, and there's no better segue to stupid people than that. <laughs> This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Thanks to TrevorStrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. And once again, after this, go to FightfulSelect.com where I got three more good ones. And this is another week, Sean, where we had some really good ones. Really right. good. And I'm going to start with an update. And you're going to love this update, Sean. Okay. So I think it was last week on Fightful Select when we did Stupid People Extended, I showed the video of a guy who was wanted by police because he was at one of these arcade-style machines with the claw that, like, gets stuff. And he actually had a little girl, a toddler, climb into the machine in order to get the stuff and then pull it out and give it to him. And then he had a six-year-old little boy that would then take the thing and take off with it. So he w- there was, like, a little manhunt for this guy. Here's the good news, Sean, and, and it's good and it's also a little bit sad. So they caught the guy... Yeah. Uh, his name is Anthony Helsinki from Lawrence, Massachusetts, 34 years old. You want to know the little side sad thing about this, Sean? What? He's a middle school teacher. Oh, man. Like, that's always... Yep. That, that's the disheartening thing about some of this. I was, I was on Instagram the other day, and I looked at a post from Coach John Calipari of UK, Kentucky Basketball. He had a picture with John Kerry, who ran for office, and below it was some of the most hateful shit I'd ever seen because of a political party. And I clicked on one of them. It was a middle school basketball coach, an AAU basketball coach. And I'm like, these people are tasked with molding young minds. That's right. And that's sad. Yep. And those were his kids. In this case, those were his kids. Uh, He's been charged with three counts of theft, two counts of criminal trespassing, and endangering the welfare of a child. He's going to be arraigned on October 29, and uh, his school has pulled him pending the outcome of an investigation. And you know what kills me about this stuff? Whenever you hear pending the outcome of an investigation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. They had a video. Yeah. Like, open how do you get well, more open did. and shut than that? He'll try to plead down and all that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. whatever. The thing is, I, that makes me wonder. I, I worked at a Boys and Girls Club of America, and I can't count how many times that we would kids would get in trouble. They'd have their Nintendo DSs or whatever it was taken. Mm. I wonder how many times if he's stealing shit out of... Stuff like that. I wonder if there's any shady stuff going on there. In like the classroom, you mean? Kids with their phones and with their, their, their Nintendo Switches and stuff. Yeah, that's possible. And that's pure speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me, to say yeah. the least. Completely unfounded allegations by Sean Rossop, but they might be true. 
They might be true. Also, I'm pretty sure he's banging the ghost of John <laughs> In Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. So this first one was reported by France24.com on September 23rd, and this is good. So back in the 1980s, France came up with a brilliant idea, Sean. All right? Okay. Uh, what they wanted to do was they wanted to create a sanctuary for wildlife in the Mediterranean off the French coast. Okay? They wanted to create a nice sanctuary for turtles and fish and whatnot, right? So, what they decided to do in an effort to create a nice little wildlife sanctuary was dump 25,000 car tires into the sea. Melissa, put up that photo. They really did this. They dumped 25,000 car tires into the sea. That was in the 1980s. By 2005, researchers had shockingly determined that the tires were leaking toxic chemicals into the environment Plus, it was determined, and this is also shocking, Sean, shocking. It was determined that the wildlife wanted nothing to do with these large man-made objects made of rubber and resin that doesn't belong in their environment. They wanted nothing to do with it. And so now they've been undertaking, ever since 2015, they've been undertaking this, this initiative to lift these tires out. And, uh, and rid the Mediterranean of their wildlife sanctuary. So back in 2005, they were able to get out 2,500 tires. They plan to remove 10,000 more in the next few weeks, and then they're going to have the rest out by Q2 of next year. Oh, my God. What's and the logic? That's why? Why, that's why it made stupid people it, news. You can't make, like, the sole or the bottoms of shoes or tracks. Like, they, they make a lot of, like, track and field stuff out of those. There's got to be something better than that. Who thought that was going to be – I don't know <clears throat> the, the... – I realized that, realize that back in the 1980s, people were a little bit more ignorant, you know, and not as educated. But who thought even then 25,000 car tires in the bottom of the, of the Mediterranean was the way to go? Who thought that? I'm excited that? for their follow-up comment. Also, we put the rings from several six-packs down there, and shockingly, turtles got stuck in them. Exactly. And exactly. Dolphins. Yep. This next one, I got to warn you, Sean, this next one, this is some fucked up shit, this next one. All right? Wow. I don't usually get a curse word out of you unless I, like, make you mad. Well, this is, wait till you see this one. So this was reported by the Miami Herald on September 20th. Melissa kind of messed it up because she put up a photo before we went on the air, so you have an idea already, I think. But, so it was reported by the Miami Herald on September 20th. So apparently there is a market on gay websites for videos where the niche is straight men conned into gay sexual acts. Okay, apparently there's a market for that, and that's like a popular thing, right? So there's a 33-year-old man from South Florida. His name is Brian Dunamostier, uh, and he decided that he wanted to profit off of that niche. And so yeah. what he did was he produced, he produced videos with an estimated 150 men, 150 men, and at least 80 of them were unsuspecting straight men, because that's the niche, and he put the videos up on poor site, porn sites behind paywalls. How did he lure these straight men, Sean? How did he lure at least 80 straight men to do these things? He, money or drugs, right? He posted ads on Craigslist posing as a woman. Put up the first photo, uh, Melissa. So this is him. Oh. <laughs> 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 See, I had no context to this photo. Yes. So I thought it was a woman. No, this is him pretending to be a woman to lure these guys to, to his place in Florida. Put up the other one. So the other one is a side-by-side <laughs> shot. So the, the left is him posing as a woman, and on the right, that's actually him. Oh, 
my God. And this is what he would do. So the men would, would reply to the Craigslist ad. They would show up to his place in Florida. He would greet them at the door, still dressed like a woman. And then he would blindfold them or have them wear blackout goggles and perform sex acts on them and record it and put it up without their knowledge on these gay sites behind a paywall. And that's what he did. Uh, he has pleaded guilty to two counts of illegal interception of oral communications. And there, there was no pun there, but that's what <laughs> happened. And uh, three related charges were dropped because he pled guilty to the others. He, he faces up to 10 years in prison, but he's, ex- he's expected to, re- to receive less time because he pled guilty. So, can oh you can you put up the first one again, uh, Melissa? Put up that first photo again. Like, who's getting conned by this? Look at that shit. You know, his eyelashes, man. They yeah, I guess they do it. I guess right. they do it. Yeah. All right. Jesus. This last one is for the SRS file. Oh, that shine. one wasn't. No. So you got. I guess you got a bonus this week because that one wasn't. Wow. This well, is. I mean, this is for the SRS file, and you're gonna like this one, Sean. Homeboy was bonusing people. Jesus. This is good. So this one was reported by Asia Wire and the UK Mirror on September 25th. Man, you're going to like this one. So in southeastern China, they uh, built a new skyscraper. And it just opened up. And it's drawn a lot of criticism, Sean. A lot. A lot of the locals aren't too fond of it. Any idea why? Is it shaped like a dick? It's shaped like a dick and balls. It's shaped like a dick and balls. Let's post that first photo. And it's banging the ghost of John Candy. <laughs> so there's a shot of the skyscraper, uh, Sean. And it gets a little bit worse. You know how it gets a little oh, bit worse? As you, well, as you can see by that photo, they light it up at night. <laughs> so that's part of it. Fantastic. Well, I hope it shoots a light out of the end. Uh, during special events, here's what happens. Go ahead and put up that yes. video, Melissa. Do it. Yeah. During special events. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. And there's hearts and everything. Yeah. There's hearts. Why is it wrestling bigger than China? I want to go now. <laughs> you want to go to see that. Of course That's I do. That's why you want to go. WWE, run a show in China. Let, let's Let's do this. I would like to know what architect thought that was a good idea. One with a great sense well, of humor. Right? <laughs> obviously had great skills in erecting things, Jimmy. I guess so. I guess so. So that's what happened. Let's move on and talk about... Uh, th- we've kind of talked about this before, and I want to talk about it again because to me it was pretty uh, obvious watching Raw this week. Uh, now, Brian Alvarez, who does stuff for Figure Four Weekly, I'm not a big fan of Brian Alvarez. You know, you and I have talked about it. I respect what he's done, but I just want him to be like a little smug little man. I'm not a big fan of Brian Alvarez, but... Why's he got to be a little man? Good God. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being now. honest. Anyway, uh, I'm not... I, this week, uh, he critiqued something about WWE television, and I completely agree with him on his critique. Well, I like Brian. I'm sure he's a nice guy in person. No, I just meant... I think you're attacking his character, Jimmy. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Because I've never met the man. Because things on a podcast that you don't like, you are saying that he is a terrible person. That's exactly what I said verbatim, as you heard. Yes. So, he said something I agreed with uh, this week, and uh, you and I have kind of talked about it before. So, for years now, Sean, for years, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H have positioned themselves as heels, right? 
They're the bad guy authority figures, but then they appear in these PR segments as baby faces. And this has drawn has, has driven me crazy for a while. And it's you know if they're doing philanthropy stuff like Connor's Cure, then they're baby faces. When they do an announcement like the Women's Royal Rumble or the Evolution Pay Per View, then they're baby faces. And then they're getting misty in the ring and they're applauding the talent on the stage and stuff like that. This week on Raw, Stephanie and Hunter show up. Right, they're in a limo. They show up. They get out of the limo. First thing Stephanie does is she shits all over Baron Corbin. And basically threatens his job because she's the heel authority figure, right? Immediately after that, the very next thing she does is she goes to the ring for a Connor's Cure segment. And she's hugging kids and she's smiling and clapping and she's getting a little misty and they're holding up a big check and all that kind of stuff. Then when it's all over, they go back to the back and Hunter turns back into the bad guy again saying, uh, Oh, The Undertaker, well, I sold my soul a long time ago and blah, blah, blah. I was watching all that thinking to myself... This would be like watching Batman, Sean, and having Bane in the middle of a scene take off his mask and say, my name is Tom Hardy, and I would like to donate this check to this organization. And then after they shake hands and hug, then he puts the mask back on and he's Bane again. Well, but the the thing is, she talks the same way, so he'd be like... My name is Tom Hardy, and I would love to call. It'd be like... Like there's no. That's actually feeling. a pretty decent. That's a pretty decent impression. You're, you're goddamn right. It is first time. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's no real differentiating factor. I would be less offended if she took off her mankind mask. Oops, did I break the fourth wall? Uh, no, because that's the rock back there. Is it with a mankind mask on? Yeah, that's right. Wow, talk about a rock and sock connection. Anyway, exactly, exact good one. Exactly. Anyway, I would be less offended, but I mean, it's the how can you differentiate the two? And I get it, shades of gray are okay, but I why disagree do you with need, that. Do you need to have her out there to do this? You, no, you, you don't, don't. don't. You don't need them at least right now. Yeah, Big Show did it a couple weeks ago. That was fine. Which is fine because he's a babyface right now. Yeah. So it's Bayley? fine, Bayley right? Finn Balor together. Why not them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I look at it like this: people watch wrestling. For the same reason that they watch any TV show or any movie, they do it to suspend disbelief, right? Mm -hmm. And you and I have long talked about, I enjoy pro wrestling when I can suspend that disbelief. When I can believe that what I'm seeing might actually be be real, that's when you kind of get into it. When you have Stephanie McMahon shitting all over Baron Corbin because she's the bad guy, and then five minutes later she's in the ring hugging kids and holding a check and everything like that, it's stupid. And I know what WWE is going to say, they're going to say, well... There are no good guys and bad guys anymore, right? Because that's the cop-out answer, and that's bullshit. That's bullshit. And I don't understand how they think it's a good idea to shit on someone one minute and then uh, look for the applause from the fans the next. I don't understand how that makes any sense or how that's logical at all. Like you just said, if she wants to do it, then don't be on TV otherwise. Especially when they treat their audience like they can't put two and two together without explicitly stating something. Right. So why do you treat that? That was the thing I had asked this week. <laughs> what unresolved storylines do you all want answered? And a lot of people said, who raised the briefcase at King of the Ring 99? And I had a bunch of people saying, obviously, Big Boss Man. He came out and hugged them the next night. And I was like, if WWE didn't explicitly state it, I'm not, I'm not believing that. Because they never treat their audience right. as if they can put these things together. So I don't expect them to ha- believe that their audience can differentiate these two i will say though that from a storyline perspective wwe ran a lot of really good one night storylines on monday and tuesday i really liked smackdown this week 
that was good. I mean, Miz and R-Truth, boom, a story out of nowhere. They're fighting for the rights to the Miz TV show. That was cool. Right. Like that. Because it makes match challenge. That's why that all happened. The tease of Dean Ambrose turning on the shield all night. I like that. That's going to continue. That's not a one-nighter. Well, I mean, I still liked the the one night weaving in and out and how he tried to turn mm-hmm. it around on Dean Ambrose. I really liked that. I thought WWE did some good storytelling this week. Well, going back to this this point, uh, you know what the what the sad irony is in all this, Sean, is that you know they're doing their philanthropy segments because that's the future of marketing after all, right? So yes. they're doing the philanthropy segments. The, the the sad irony is there are going to be some people that look at Stephanie McMahon as a heel and question how genuine she is or what her motives are when she's doing those segments because she's yeah. the heel. Well, right? I wonder because of that tweet, that one tweet. Right, right. And I said it on the Raw show. I think it's great for the kids that benefit from this. Oh, That's 100%. Awesome. 100%, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they were very emotional in, in there and everything, and they enjoyed it. But again, I just think it's dumb when you just shit on an employee because you're being the bad guy and now you're hugging everybody and you're asking your whole roster to come out on the stage for that and clap for that. Eh, Yeah, that was the thing. I had people that were messaging me from backstage saying we're queued up for something. I'm like, all right. I would would leave her off TV and only bring her out for that and that's it. Nothing else. Yeah, and the thing is, when she made that tweet, I can't think of the philanthropy is the future of marketing. I can't think of fewer things that are worse for marketing than her putting that quote out there right right yeah My God. all right so let's talk about cody rose and the young bucks for a second sure. uh and i'm going to tie this into an article that you wrote on fightful uh this week so jim ross was on busted open radio with bubba ray mm-hmm. and uh he was asked about coding the bucks and he thinks that they're going to be at the ring of honor show at madison square garden in the spring and this is a quote from uh, jr no, I don't think. I don't have anything concrete to base that on. My gut instinct is no. There's too many big dollars that are possible to obtain. Now, kind of along those lines, uh, although it's already been happening now, you wrote an article for FIFA questioning if the Bullet Club is on the verge of non-existence. You didn't really tie it into them leaving necessarily, yeah. but it, it would be a part of it. My question to you is, and I know it's early, and you and I did the same thing about Daniel Bryan. Is he going to resign or not? Uh, you have any inkling? You think Cody and the Bucks might take the money from WWE, or do you think that they're digging their freedom and all that, and they might uh, keep doing what they're doing? I think they're going to keep doing what they're doing. They yeah. have built up a lot of goodwill. One of the most intriguing aspects about Ring of Honor: Death Before Dishonor on Friday to me is that you have Cody, the Bucks, and Marty Scurll all teaming up, and really, it's the first time that they have been out in the public since All In. And I don't think that match was put together by accident. I think that it was to garner that ovation from that crowd mm-hmm. who are seeing these guys for the first time in a month. They build up a lot of goodwill, and I know Cody said, oh, we're not doing this to, to get rich. Man, they had some sponsors. There's no way they didn't make some good money off that show. Oh, yeah, they, they, they pulled in at least six figures each, for sure. And you mean to tell me that WWE schedule mixed with uh, is going to overcome that? Not Not to mention even... What mi- minor YouTube revenue that they'll get? They'll get, but they control their own merch. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, New Japan. They can take indie dates. I mean, I, I'm not saying WWE can't offer them more, but I, I don't know that WWE will look at them and say, "Yeah, we need to offer them this amount of money." Because I don't think they're going to WWE for less money, especially for more oh, dates. No, there's no chance. I mean, I, I I think it was Cody that said that last year he was able to break a million bucks. Yeah. And he said that on social media. Last year, he broke a million bucks. And he never hit that with WWE. We yeah. know that the top guys like Roman is probably making three, four times that. Yes. 
But then the question is, is Cody going to make three or four times that? Because they're not going to offer him that in a guarantee. There's no chance that they're going to no offer way. him in a guarantee. They'll offer him a pretty good downside, but they're not going to offer him that kind of a guarantee. And then, so then if you're Cody, you're thinking, well, is creative then going to get me to that position where I will then make that kind of money, you know? It's, it's a tough call, man. I mean, if I was Cody, I would probably keep doing what I'm doing. Again, unless Triple H says, you know what, I'll, I'll guarantee you two. If yeah, Triple H Cody is going to guarantee you two, wrestled. then you got to think about it. Cody Rhodes this year has wrestled 48 matches. Last year he wrestled, I think it was about 125. But, I mean, if you're in WWE, you're wrestling probably. If, if You're probably wrestling about the same. But the travel is so much different. For sure. And then on your off days, you're doing Comic-Cons and you're doing appearances here and there. And it's not like they're doing four days home, four days home, four days home. That's not how it is. Especially when you're a higher up guy. Sure, if you're Zack Ryder, you're doing four days home. Hell, maybe even three days home. But if you're an AJ Styles or Roman Reigns, not to say again Cody would be, but if you are... You're doing four days, then you're doing this this uh, this speaking event. You're doing four days, then you're doing this uh, television thing. You're doing four days, and then you're doing this. That's how it is for those guys. Yeah, as so. I as I look, he wrestled 150 dates his last full WWE year in 2015. Right. Wrestled. That doesn't mean include he had to go there for this meet and greet. He had to go there for this public appearance. He had to be on the show, but not wrestle. Right. All that stuff pay-per-views that they would make him come to and they wouldn't book him on. And 50, 52 weeks a year, man, you can add at least one more day a week to that. Yeah. And, so. and this year, we are, like you mentioned earlier, essentially three quarters of the way through the year and he's wrestled 45, 47 times, I think. That's, right. That is, wow, what a difference in quality of life. Right, for sure. I mean, maybe he's not going to make the money this year he did last year, but he also did all in. Yeah, with all right. in, and yeah. you got to. And they they did put out the thing. Oh, we're doing this independently. They had a lot of help from Ring of Honor, right? And they had sponsors in Cracker Barrel. And the next time around, if if and assuming they do an all in, I think because they they did so much of the first one on their own, I don't think people will revolt against them if they get like a Cricket Wireless sponsorship on no, the apron. Or nobody cares. Like that. Care. I mean, they already yeah, had Cracker Barrel there. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. They tied no. it in, and it was funny. Yeah. Speaking of relationships between companies, we got this uh, uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed show, and I will actually segue into the Christopher Daniels interview, but I've noticed, Jimmy, any buzz about this show at all? I was actually going to bring that up. I actually have Fighting Spirit Unleashed on here because it's on Sunday, and I've heard, like, nothing about this show. Nothing about this. Nothing. You why? Because it's going on New Japan World. Yes. It's not going on Access till Friday because they have to air... I can't remember what it was, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Check them out, our buddies over there. They'll be at the show. I think they air, like, American Idol UK or Who's Got Talent UK or something like that. There's been no press media stuff because they've had all the Road to Destruction. And they just released the full card. They just released the full card. They yeah. have... As Jeff Hawkins mentioned to me personally, he said they've killed the town. They've run too many shows in that same area. Right. Yeah, so it's at the Walter Pyramid. It's on the campus of the California State Long Beach uh, location in, in Long Beach, California. I don't know how big that venue is. What, what Can they fit 1,000 in there? I don't know. X Factor UK, I'm told. Like, That's what you're, they're airing? You're, you're keeping live wrestling off for X Factor UK. You can't adjust that a little bit. Yeah. That's well, weird. So they got the Golden Lovers in the main event, so they're so you know, Omega's not making a title defense on that show. Yeah. At least he's gonna be on the show, but he's not making a title defense. 
So, who knows? Jushin Thunder Liger's on the show, too. Christopher Daniels is as well. I talked to him. Check it out. You've got the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor coming up later this month. What else are you doing with Ring of Honor? Are you helping out backstage? How how does that work out for you? How is your deal structured, essentially? Uh, yeah, I do help out backstage. I try to help uh, creatively where I can. Um, you know, I, I'm, it's not like I'm writing the story or anything, but I'm certainly trying to uh, put all the pieces together on, on, on the board and seeing the best way that we could put, uh, you know, feature certain guys. Um, and, and it's a collaborative effort. It's not me by myself. There's a lot of guys uh, in the back that are, you know, kicking ideas around and, um, you know, trying to get the best uh, out of our roster that we can. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just a, a cog in the machine, really, at that uh in that sense, there's a lot of guys that are, uh, you know, putting their fingerprints on it and trying to help out. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about Ring of Honor is the fact that we're all, uh, you know, putting our best foot forward as a team and, and trying to make the product the best that we can. You talk about contributing creatively and, you know, a big creative outlet, comic books, superheroes, that world. You've seen Cody appear on Arrow, and obviously you have a connection with Stephen Amell, but if you could – make a cameo role or an appearance in any like Marvel DC film or TV show. What, what would that be? Um, I'm open. I'm open for anything, man. Um, I, I'm a Marvel guy at heart, but if I had the opportunity to uh, work with Steven on arrow or, or any of the DC television shows, um, that would certainly be uh, a challenge that I would like to undertake. But um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm open for anything, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, the new agents of shield uh, season coming up soon. And uh, you know, the rest of the Netflix shows that have been going on, I haven't even had a chance to get with iron fist yet uh, for this season. I'm finishing up Luke cage now, but, um, but every, you know, every, as a, as a guy, as a comic book fan, it's cool to see these characters in a different medium and uh, the characters portrayals of some of my favorite characters. It's pretty cool. man. so, I mean, any chance that I could get to do something like that would be great. And uh, it doesn't matter which character I have. Okay. Okay. We are back. We are. Nah. Yep. Talking, M- talking MMA off the air. That's basically what we've been doing. We were. that. that uh, there's a very good Bellator show this weekend. We covered on the it. Fightful MMA podcast. You all can check that show out. It's it's in the archives. But we did a show, do a show every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Bellator show this Saturday. Guys, if you all are just casual wrestling fans, it'll have some familiar names. Rory McDonald, Bellator welterweight champion, taking on Gegard Musashi, who is the Bellator middleweight champion, has competed as high as heavyweight. You have Rampage Jackson against Vanderlei Silva for the fourth time. Unbelievable. Koreshkov and Douglas Lima, that is a good fight. Aaron Pico with a, a big fight. This is going to be a real good show. I, I was, I've mentioned on the other podcasts, it seemed like really all this year, Jimmy, Mm-hmm. And especially from WrestleMania time after you had Greatest Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, NXT, SummerSlam, all the way through all in. It seemed like wrestling was at the forefront. It seems like combat sports are kind of taking a little bit, bit of that from them because you've had you know, Anthony Joshua fight and you had that great Triple G Canelo fight. You got McGregor back, Nate Diaz back. John Jones. John Jones is back. Bellator is putting on good shows now. Yeah. So I got to say, I'm really happy because I, you and I had spoke pretty candidly. I, and I had said, I'm glad most of my eggs are in the pro wrestling basket because mm-hmm. longtime MMA journalists and photographers and videographers that are like, 
let me get some of that pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons that you took this job is because you, you like the option to cover MMA. Oh, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love covering MMA. Uh, I, I love boxing, too. I love doing that. Me, man, Carlos Toro is a freaking scientist when it comes to boxing. So, Is, is Rory Musasi for a title or is it catchweight? I'll look. I think it's for the middleweight title. Okay, I'm curious. Now, I don't. I don't want to go too big in an MMA, but I do enjoy it, and so I'm curious. And rampage, rampage, Jesus, man, Vanelli Silva needs to just kind of know when to say when. <laughs> They're getting those but, six figure paydays, though. Yes, yeah, I know, title, I know, but I can't tell you how happy I am that combat sports as a whole are back on an upswing because. I mean, I've, I've made no bones about it. The, the attention has been on pro wrestling yep. most of this year, and now. There is reason for buzz in MMA and boxing, and I love that. Tyson Fury's back even. like I'm stoked for stuff. Conor McGregor. Oh, of course. I'm stoked too. for that. I, I think McGregor wins first-round knockout. Me and Sean have talked about it off the air. First-round yep. knockout. But uh, I'm stoked for that. That's going to be a good fight. If, if Habib gets a hold of him, oh, it's going to be a long night for Conor McGregor. But yeah. uh, I think he's going to knock him out. Let's talk about Joey Janela. Yeah. So right. this, this guy's been making waves over the last couple of years. He's uh, quite the little daredevil. And uh, something happened last Saturday night, September 22nd. He was working a match for Game Changer Wrestling in Asbury Park, New Jersey, uh, when a spot went terribly wrong. We had the video here courtesy of Jabroni Jobberson <laughs> at Bad Bad Brain on Twitter. Put up that video, Melissa. So as you can see there, when he went down, he tweaked his left knee pretty badly. He uh, had an MRI on September 24. I haven't heard the results of it yet, but he posted on social media that he can bend his knee, he can turn it, he can put pressure on it. So it sounds to me like it might just be a sprain. Have you heard? I've, I've heard through the grapevine it's meniscus related. I can't confirm that. I've not talked to Joey. I did reach out to him, tell him I hoped he got better. And the thing is, that's not on his top 50 list of craziest things he's ever done. Just like the all-in spot wasn't on his top three, top five, that's a pretty normal spot for him. I mean, jump from the top rope outside the ring, it's just his knee got caught up, man. You know, I don't know if a guy like Joey Janela will ever be on the WWE radar. Uh, I'd hate to look at him, say, 20 years down the road and see him starting to feel those bumps and he hasn't made a ton of money. That would suck, you know? But Yeah, well... That's what brought him to the dance, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's still pretty young, and he's making a name for himself. His show is the reason Marco Stunt is getting booked everywhere. He made that appearance on Lost in New York. Right. And we're starting to see more themed shows. Did you see the newest theme show? Is it the Joey Ryan thing? Joey Ryan's penis party. I heard about it. Melissa, are you going to watch with me? <laughs> I, I don't want to do any more. You won't be able to watch to after listening to your boy 100. <laughs> i got to tell you, Sean... My opinion of Joey Ryan has changed since I saw the Van Vliet interview. Oh, yeah? He's such he a... dick pics? He's... Well, no, not well, that too, but just the fact that he's so introverted in real life. Yeah. So quiet. It's amazing to me that you have a guy that is so flamboyant and so out there in the ring, and then in real life, he's so shy and introverted. It's like, how did that, that happen? I you see know? a lot of that with people in the wrestling business. Very interesting. Very interesting. So Especially I want to... I want to ask you about James Storm, man. Do you think he has any regrets right about now? What do you think? Yeah, a lot. A lot. So uh, I'm going to bring this up because he just did an interview recently. So back in uh, 2015, he worked for a couple of shows for NXT, as we know. He claims that Triple H offered him a contract. 
He said he chose to, to go to Impact because of the schedule. He said it wasn't really money related. Uh, he said that uh, uh, him and his wife wanted to have another kid, so he wanted to be home uh, and didn't want that schedule. By 2018, as we know, he was cut by Impact because of their cost cutting. And now it sounds to me like he's basically been waiting by the phone to get the phone call from WWE. Uh, and uh, what I heard about the Buster Open Open show, because he just appeared on Buster Open Radio explaining, I took the impact thing for the schedule. That's basically what he said. After I read that, I remembered about another interview that he had done back in July uh, for Inside the Ropes. And I got a quote from that interview, and I'm going to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long, but I'm going to read a little bit. He said, I'm one of those guys that I like to be considered a road warrior. I don't care about how many days I'm on the road. My wife loves for me to be on the road. She's like, get out of the house. I just love to wrestle. That's why I got into wrestling is to wrestle. You hear people complaining about being on the road too much and the travel in the hotels. Pussies, fuck that. That's what I'm about. This is the same guy that in 2015 claims he passed up on WWE because of the schedule, and now he calls himself a road warrior. When I read and heard about that, I thought, did you ever fuck up? That's basically what I thought when I, heard, when I read that, that quote. I had an NXT wrestler when that article dropped that messaged me, Solely to scoff at James James Storm. He really screwed up, yeah. man. And and, and let's I, be honest. Let's be honest. With all due respect to James Storm, let's be honest. He did it for the money. He took the impact contract for the money. Yes. For the money and, and the dates, he didn't have to work as much, and he got paid probably the same, if not more. Probably more, yeah, for and sure. I'm him. I'm sitting there, and I'm probably I'm really upset about Chad Gable teaming with Bobby Roode because that's his main ticket. Those yes. two are money together. Yes. And if you can get a year out of them teaming, that's good. Speaking and- of Chad Gable, I understand WWE likes the 50-50 booking and everything. Why on earth, Sean, why on earth would you have Chad Gable not only lose to Connor of the Ascension on Raw, but get mostly dominated in a singles match? How does that make any sense whatsoever that they would do that? How does it make any sense? Well, I think they're giving Connor a shot. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think that after the... I mean, this is, again, speculation. Please don't say that I reported this, but... Yeah, yeah. I, it looks to me like they're at least giving Connor a real good look. He's won his first singles match in, in WWE ever. Last yeah. time he did was when he was Connor O'Brien in yeah. NXT. Yeah. Remember he had the Damian Demento gear back then? He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Sure no, I don't think they're giving him a look at all. I, I think that they think, oh, this is a good story. Chad's a tag team wrestler. You give him a chance by himself and he can't win. He needs Bobby Roode. This is the story they think they're telling. I look at that and I think, how are you doing Chad Gable any favors at all by well, having I'm him Connor, get... I'm hoping they're giving me a look. Especially of course you are. Of the course. next time that the call-ups come, you're, you've already been the odd man out, you and your, your partner, for, for years. Yeah. So more people I agree. come up. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about Becky Lynch, the greatest thing on SmackDown Live today. Damn right. Becky Lynch continues to do great things. I loved her on SmackDown. When she gets in the ring with Lana, she did not cheat in the match as a heel would. She won clean. She even immediately let let go of the armbar. Did you see that? As soon as Lana tapped, she let go of the armbar immediately. She did not act like a heel. What are you taking there, bud? Medication? Advil? You got a headache? Yeah, Jimmy, as you uh, told everybody on our show, I ran into a door frame. Oh, so you're, you're taking it for, for the concussion you got I'm from hitting the door frame? I got a headache. You know, got a bit of a got it. Got it. Okay, well, that's, that's unfortunate. So, uh, 
The one thing that, that Becky did on SmackDown that was heelish was the attack of Charlotte when Charlotte was doing the photo shoot. But because Becky Lynch is awesome, she had an explanation for that, Sean. Put this up, Melissa. She posted this on Twitter. <laughs> oh, that one. Becky, yeah, yeah. No dead air. No dead air. Okay. So on on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) on Twitter, she posted this. That's for making me do the stupid tea stuff. I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this. I know Sean is. So Becky and Charlotte used to do a thing on social media. They called themselves Tea Generation X. Yes. See what Sean, what Mr. Rassop is doing? That's what they would do. This is actual tea in here too. There you go. This beautiful, fightful mug that you all can get on the champion level tier at FightfulSelect.com. Beautiful. So they would do that on social media. They'd pretend to be drinking tea with their pinky out, called themselves Tea Generation X. I love that Becky tied that in and said, that's for making me do the stupid tea stuff. She, she's a breath of fresh air on that show, Sean. She is. And she is. I called her Becky McGregor selling her proper 12 Irish whiskey because she said little things that were Conor McGregor-esque, like I run the women's division and stuff yep. like that. Yep. It works. Let me ask you. I, I always wondered, honestly, how she'd be as a heel because she's so likable and genuine and wholesome. As it turns out, she's just really, really good at entertaining. She, yeah, and she's still likable. Yeah. Because she's not shitting on anybody. You know what I mean? I still think she's awesome. And, and just her walk to the... She's just confident. That's all she's been kind of showing is she's confident. Nobody and, wants uh, to root for a loser. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things that I love the most, Lana looked really good on SmackDown. She looked all right too, yeah. On the mic, in the ring, she hung in there and she, you know, she had the benefit of being in there with the SmackDown women's champion. But I love that she got in some offense, she got in some reps essentially. But when Becky was selling, it was to bait Lana. It was she was selling and then baiting Lana outside so she could throw her into the guardrail. So it made a lot of sense. Whoever's been in charge of handling some of these agenting, agent decisions and some of these story decisions and SmackDown, hats off to them because I, I thought this was one of the best WWE shows of the year to speak SmackDown. Did you see the spot when Lana went to the second rope and Becky swept the leg? Yeah. That scared me. The way Lana hit the mat, I was thinking, Jesus, that looked like a scary spot, but she was fine. Got a lot of respect for Lana. She's been working really hard. She has. So Daniel Bryan, do you think he could beat Mike Jackson? Uh, see, it's hard for me to say. I know that Daniel Daniel Bryan's trained with some of the same people that I've trained with. He's been to like Billy Robinson seminars and all that. But CM Punk was at one of the greatest MMA camps in the world for two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. However, as Matt Riddle said, how many times do you think he got a punch off there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you got to wonder, I don't know how much Daniel Bryan weighs at this point. No, uh, I, I don't. I in his book, he used to talk about it. Wasn't he like 185 ish, something yeah. like that? So, I don't uh, know, man. in case anybody missed this, so Daniel Bryan was on Booker T's podcast. He told the story about how Bree was doing an Instagram live chat promoting uh, Total Bellas. And somebody said, Is Bryan there? Because I have a question. And Bryan was there. And the question they asked is, Do you think you could beat Mike Jackson, which is the guy that beat CM Punk? Bryan said, If I have a full camp, yes. Actually, I, it, what he exactly said was, if it went to the ground and I had a full camp, yes, he thinks he could beat him. I don't know that he could look any worse than CM Punk. He couldn't. Would. He couldn't look and any worse. That was the thing that I, I talked to Filthy Tom Lawler of MLW, former UFC fighter, this week. CM Punk looked infinitely better in his first fight against Mickey Gall, who was a better fighter than Mike Jackson, a more experienced fighter than Mike Jackson, all things considered. He was fighting off submissions. He was doing things right. The the 
there are amateurs that I see every time I call fights that do better than what CM Punk did mm-hmm. in that Mike Jackson fight. It was embarrassing. You mentioned Matt Riddle, so congrats to Fightful's own Matt Riddle that didn't get back yeah. to me about doing a birthday video for Sean. Congrats to him because he made his uh, NXT in-ring debut last Friday at a live event in Sanford, Florida. Why was he wearing his wife's shorts? Because he can, apparently. He really was, Melissa. I'm not making that up. He really was wearing his wife's shorts. news. I was told that they had planned for him to debut on the tapings, but there were some production uh, snags that kept them from, from doing that, essentially. But Okay, so we don't know the real reason why, why he was wearing the shorts? but Oh, okay, tell me off the air, I guess, then. Yeah, but uh, they they got him in there, and he won, but they need to get him in there sooner, I think. Also, speaking of Fightful, Fightful alumni, Shane Helms was at the PC last week as a guest coach and oh, yeah. agenting the NXT tapings. And Rob Conway, right? Rob Conway, uh, yeah, not yeah. a Fightful alumni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. he wants to be Sean. Yeah, I think he does. Give him a payday, he'll do it. He what do you think of... What do you think of one of our favorite personalities of all time that you and I have had a lot of fun with, Jim Cornette? He's going to be the color commentator at the NWA 70th anniversary show on October 21st in Nashville. What do you think of that? Okay. (laughs) Sure. Why not? I like that Tony Schiavone is calling the main event. The main event, yeah. Yeah. The live show, I think. Uh, We're going to see about media credentials. I was going to go originally, but then John Morehouse hit me up, and he was... Like, hey, I might be able to ride up there with somebody who's on the show. Oh, yeah. So I'd be able to do a live post show remotely. He'd be able to get some stuff there. And I think that the way that Cody and Nick Aldis and Dave Lagana particularly have been able to build a lot of the stuff surrounding that, I think it deserves a post show. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think Cornette can still do color commentator, Terry? Or do you think he's just going to shit all over everything? It's hard for me to say. I don't yeah. think he'll shit all over anything in WA. Mm. I think he's got a lot of respect for the NWA. And if... If he's as smart as I think he is, he probably sees the benefit in what Dave Lagana is doing. I, I often talk about the benefits in this line of work, whether you're writing, wrestling, managing, making something out of nothing. He Dave Lagana is a master at that. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Rey Mysterio officially signed two years. you think they're going to wait for the Rumble? They shouldn't. I mean, I had heard that they wanted to get him on TV a few weeks ago, but there there were snags with that as well, and... I don't know. I mean, there, there's no buzz about SmackDown 1000 either. Yeah, that's like, coming up, what, two weeks There's something? more build for the list in your boy 100 than SmackDown <laughs> 1000. Coincidence? Well, yeah, I doubt popular, it. It's more popular. It's much bigger. It's, it's totally Much bigger. Of much bigger. Yes, with our thousands of viewers. <laughs> so uh, last thing on my list this week, man, Kofi Kingston. So who would have thought that when you think about the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, you can now say, in terms of the person that's, that's held a WWE tag team title for the longest amount of days, you got Mr. Fuji, you got Billy Gunn, and you got Kofi Kingston. Now number one, he surpassed Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn was at 953 days that he had held a WWE tag team title, although in Billy Gunn's case it was the WWE tag team title. Yes. Kofi now has, uh, has, has surpassed that. Uh, good for him, man. Good for Kofi Kingston. Maybe you can say it's a little bit easier now. They got a Raw brand tag title. They got a SmackDown brand tag title. At the same time, I don't think anybody ever expected the New Day to have the kind of run that they've had. Uh, And honestly, you have to credit Kofi Kingston because he was the one that was more solidified on the roster. And it was Xavier Woods and Big E that went to him 
because they were the ones that were struggling with creative, went to him and asked him if, he, if he'd come on board, and he did. If he hadn't, that would have been a very different outcome. Yeah, and you think back to Billy Gunn, and it was when there were essentially one set for a while. I think when he was with Chuck, there were two sets. But Were there two sets back then? I'm pretty sure they had. I, I'm thinking so, because I think he was smacked down. Yeah, there shape. might have been, because Edge and uh, Ray had it for a long time, too. I, I could be wrong. It could be right before that as well. But he had the road dog, Bart Gunn, and Chuck. He is, when I think of tag team wrestlers, I do think of him. But Kofi, I mean, man, he has one of the all-time longest reigns, period. Mm-hmm. Or he does have the longest reign, technically, with uh, New Day. Mm-hmm. And then I think back, and it's like, man, he's held titles with, with CM Punk as well. That's, that's very cool. And he's going to shatter that record. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's already growing as is, but... Yeah. Kofi's a pretty fairly young guy, all things considered, in the landscape of wrestling today. Yep. He's 37. He just turned 37. Yep. So he's got, he's got maybe, what, five, five. five to ten years, depending on how long he wants to wrestle. My God, Christopher Daniels was on this show. He's 48. Yep. But he held the titles with uh, R-Truth as well, Evan Bourne. Yep. That's kind of cool, man. I love it. And three different versions of the titles, as I see. Raw, SmackDown, and the World Tag Team Championships. Barring injury, barring injury, he's going to look the same in five years that he does now. Yeah. So he could, he could, uh, he could go for a while. That's it, man. That's it for. Uh, like I said, Fightful Select after this. Two people extended. I got three more good ones. So yeah, guys, we have added a lot of stuff to Fightful Select. I uh, felt like adding some stuff to that ten dollar tier. So twice a month now, you all will get Russo reveals clips, like you all saw last year on this show, where I talked to Vince Russo from a taping we did earlier this year about any number of topics from TNA to WWF, WCW, how he feels about certain wrestlers, certain tropes in wrestling. That's in the $10 tier. I've added alternate fight commentary. The first edition uh, this month is John Jones's first MMA fight. We have doubled up our behind-the-scenes footage. Also, Jimmy, I reposted your book. It was one of the first things that we put up there. Kind of wanted to refresh that for people who have signed up, and maybe it was kind of further down the timeline. But tell people about your damn book. Not much to say, man. It's called... Uh... Great sale. Great sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're over time. So it, it, it was called uh, Wrestling's Underbelly from uh, Bingo Halls to, Halls to Shopping Malls. I wrote it in 2005. I had been promoting my own shows. And promoting independent wrestling is a whole other animal from, you know, say, the major promotions. So I had a lot of stories to tell. And uh, I did it just kind of for fun. And I think we sold like 2,000 copies at the time. But uh, I did it just for fun, and uh, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. So I had the digital copy of it. We were looking for stuff to, to give to people in Fightful Select. I remembered I had the digital copy. I'm still planning to update it because my life was very different then than what it is now, and things have happened since, but I just haven't got around to it yet. So Also in Fightful Select, we have NXT 205 Live, Mae Young, Impact, Lucha Underground, BTE, all those reviews. We also have the Sean Ross Sap Mask. Do I have a copy of it around here somewhere? Oh, yeah. This One of our subscribers hit me up this week and said, somebody broke into my garage. The only thing they took was your mask. That's because they probably couldn't afford Fightful Select membership. (laughs) And they knew that he had Fightful Select membership, and they really wanted it. And you know why, Sean? Because this thing is a draw. Also, I just want to say, please don't check your security cameras. If somebody who looks like me was there, it was a coincidence. Fightful.com. Listen, you boy. We're getting closer to 100. Melissa. Yes. We're out. 
Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcasts, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.